0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. Memorial Day. Well, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a good weekend for people who want to put the flags at the uh, tombs and think about the soldiers, men and women who died for bravery for this country and given so much uh, for us. And we are certainly recipients of that goodness and of their bravery. We're going to talk about a big subject this morning. I have a, a few minutes, not going to be able to get it all in, I guess, because it's such a huge subject. It's the subject of faith. Uh, when, when we talk about faith, and we had a little video of it before, we're, we're talking about a comprehensive subject that uh, in, encompasses us completely when we talk about our relationship with God Because our relationship with God is based solely upon faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 which is written about 4 to 5 centuries before Jesus came. And it's quoted in Galatians chapter 3 at verse 11 says, The just shall live by faith. Well, I'm just quoting some passages that talk about the importance of this subject. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not in all of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's the two parts of salvation. One is grace. That's what God gives us, showers it upon us, says, Hey, I love you. You're not worth it, but I love you anyway. And you don't you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you something good. And faith says, we believe. We believe that you will. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, it says, We receive the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. Now, the passage that's probably more popular than any other is found in John chapter 3. At verse 16, start at verse 16. You know it, you could probably quote it. Amen. Yeah. Okay, for God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, there's not a lot of room for argument here. It says, the Bible actually says you have to believe. If you're going to be saved, you have to believe. This is what you have to have. You have to have faith. The next chart, if you look at it, says, I believe I have faith. So, actually, if, you, if, if the question is asked, and sometimes it is asked, what is faith? And the response is, it's what I believe. And so we're arguing, we're making an axiomatic argument, a circular argument. We're defining one word by the same word. Because the word faith and the word believe is the same root word. So, there are, In our context that we read earlier, we're going to talk about one faith. One faith. And there's a reason for that. But at the same time, there are two definitions of faith. And I'm going to give you the first definition now, and then we'll come to the next definition later. But the first definition is, basically... Faith is the acceptance of something that we consider to be true. Correct? Give you some illustrations. I believe that the earth is rotating on its axis. I don't know that for sure. But I I, I believe that it's doing that. And that it's creating gravity. I believe that water is wet. I believe that if I'm in a boat in 20 feet of water and I step out, I'll sink. I believe that. I believe that if I fall from 10,000 feet in the air without a parachute, and I just fall and I aim myself straight down, that I'll hit speeds between 120 to 200 miles an hour. Now I've never done that. I did jump out of a plane one time, 10,000 feet, but I didn't go that fast. Had no intention of going that fast. But I, I believe that. And and I, I believe other things as well, and I'm sure you do too. I believe that I have to have oxygen to live. I have to breathe to live. So what I'm saying is, the definition of my faith is that I believe that these these things are factual. Now these are empirical things. These are... Absolute things. These are things that I can demonstrate. Empirical data, or data, whatever you want to pronounce it. Demonstrable events. Now, it's not always accurate why demonstrable events are not always accurate. Sometimes I can be mistaken. Back in the 1950s, in this country and other countries, people were experiencing or experimenting with glazing huge panels of glass so that they could build walls of glass on high-rise buildings. It hasn't been around that long, you know. But now we have buildings that are almost made entirely of glass, structural buildings. And the glass has a certain temper to it or tensile strength to it and impact-resistant. I remember in the 60s, we were talking in a classroom, and uh, the professor was saying, now, now, the idea of a high-rise with glass walls was unique at that time. He said, you know, there's a fellow that works with a glass company that used to go around helping folks that had to have their offices in high-rise buildings that had glass walls. Because when they first came out, when they first started making them, everybody in the building or on that story would move their desk and chairs away from the walls. Because they were afraid if they tripped, fell against the wall, they'd go out. So this fellow who worked for the glass companies that produced those walls would come up on the 14th, 15th, 20th, 25th story... And he would walk up and whistle, get everybody's attention. Then he'd run across the room and throw himself against the glass. Boing, he'd bounce back. Well, in 1993, there was a fellow by the name of Gary Hoy. He was a 38-year-old attorney, lived in Toronto, Canada. He worked in the Toronto office bank building on the 25th floor and he used to he did that he thought that was a great thing to do so he was convinced that he could he could demonstrate that and he would bring his uh, a, a simple attorneys or tours of the student attorneys they would, they would come up to the office building on the 25th floor and he would run across the room and throw himself against the glass wall. One day he threw himself against a glass wall and he went on through it. You know that was tragic. 25 stories up and he died. He believed that glass wall had enough tensile strength to keep him from going through but it didn't. So he believed something that was not true. It wasn't something that that was. It wasn't told that he could do that. He just he did it because he knew. He heard the story that I heard when I was younger, that a fellow that used to demonstrate that that manufactured the glass. So it's possible that we can believe in things that are not true that we have not tested. Now let let's let's talk about God and. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about the fact that there is one God and Father. And I've been preaching this series for this reason, and and I've preached these subjects out of order in Ephesians chapter four, one through six, and I had a reason for that, but. we've talked about the fact that there's one God and Father, and He is the Creator of all things. He's the Creator of the heaven and earth. That was the point that I made in that sermon. Second sermon was that Jesus is the Lord and the Savior, and there's only one Lord, there's only one God, there's only one Lord, and He's the one that has all majesty and all authority and all power. He's the one who can do whatever we need to have done to help us get out of this world into the next. And there's one Holy Spirit, and he's the one who took down all the information. He's He's the writer of the Bible, basically. He inspired all the words that are here, and he wrote them down, had them written down by the hands of the prophets and the apostles. Now, the earlier subjects bring us to this point. According to John, these three agree in one. In John chapter... 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. That text says, This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. So whatever the Spirit says about God the Father, I believe. That means I accept that fact. Whatever the Spirit says in this book whatever the Spirit says about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that He came to this earth, He's the Son of God, that He died for me and He rose again, I believe that fact. I believe it because the Holy Spirit recorded it and gave me that information. Now, this is the the big test, the litmus test for us. Do we actually believe what the Holy Spirit says about God? Now, the Bible tells me, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2 at verse 3, that God created the heavens and the earth. God did it. Faith, is. we, we often talk about faith being stretched. That we believe, but we have limits. We believe that maybe we have, we have exceptions. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And as a matter of fact, we're told that He created it out of nothing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and three, one through 3, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's telling me this. If I believe the Holy Spirit then I believe what he's saying. He's saying that we, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I have no way on earth to examine that and put it under a microscope or or, or demonstrate it or find that it's empirical truth. I can't do that. But the fact is, if I have faith, I believe that God did it. And he did it in seven days, six days. Six days. Some says, well, you know, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm not sure I believe what the Holy Spirit is telling me about the seven days. And you know why we don't believe that? Because we can't demonstrate it. I can't do it. I'm the kind of fellow that if I see something done, I say, if another man can do it, I can do it too. I'm looking at a lot of guys in this audience who feel the same way I do. If somebody else can do it, I can do it. Some of us say, no, we've had another experience that we know that's not true. The, the point is, if I could create the heavens and the earth... I would be God, but I can't. And if we say, well, God, it, He couldn't have done it in seven days, He's rested the sixth, the seventh day, actually. He did it in six days and rested on the seventh day. He quit, took time off. <laughs> if if I could not do it, if I cannot demonstrate how we can do it, then it could not be done. Isn't that correct? Is that what we're saying? If I were to create the heavens and the earth, I'd have to have something to make it out of. Okay. I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in a in a vacuum. And there's nothing in there. And I'm going to say, make me something. You don't have anything. It's a, it's just a blank a floor and blank walls and blank, blank ceiling. There's nothing there. I'll give you enough air to breathe. But... And I, but I'll say, make me something out of nothing. You're going to say, well, I can't. And when you say that, what you're saying is, if you don't believe what the Holy Spirit says, if you're saying you can't do it, you're saying God couldn't do it either. Whoa. You see what we're doing? This world is to the point that we believe that we are our own God. If I can't do it, he couldn't do it either. If I couldn't do it in the staff of the fingers, neither could God. Because we know, for one thing, we know that, that if God created heaven and earth, he had to do it quickly. He had to do it simply. He had to start out in trial and error. That's the way we do it, don't we? I'm going, to, I'm going to build something new. I'm going to do it trial and error. I'll, I'll do it as much as I can. I'll, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll have to change it and make it work. So we think that's what God had to do. He had to do it with trial and error. So it took a lot of time for that. It took more than six days. We look at the, we look at the wonders of the universe, the heavens above us, we look at all the comets and we look at all the planets and we look at all the stars and we look at this earth and we look at what a wonderful system it is and we say, well, he just couldn't have done it. That length of time just couldn't be done. Why are we saying that? Because we can't do it. <laughs> we don't know anybody that can. Unless you know God. You, you see, there, there's the problem that, that we're having with this belief. That uh, some said, well, okay. Maybe he could, but he had to start out little. He'd have to start out small. If I if I were to develop something complicated, I'd have to start out with a simple thing, wouldn't I? Simple thing. So, well, let's start out with a one-cell amoeba and let it grow. And that's the way God, we say, that's that's how had, That's what the evolutionists are saying. He said he couldn't just have made it, you know, like that. He couldn't just... Just make a human being. He couldn't have made all of the insects. He couldn't have made all the trees, all the flowers, all the birds. He couldn't have done this that quickly. We're limiting him because of our limitations. I couldn't do it. Then he probably couldn't either. That's what we're saying, isn't it? Well, what about the age of the earth? Some of you kids listen to what I'm having to say now. When you go to school, they're going to tell you that this earth is billions and billions of years old. You're going to hear that in school because that's the evolutionary theory. And you know why you have that theory? It's because we cannot believe that anybody could do what we can't do. That God has the power to do such a thing. We can't believe that. So we have to come up with an alternate theory. Now then, the Bible says that God created the world... With age, A-G-E. And the most obvious thing that we see that had age in it was man. Now, if I were going to create the humanity, what I would do is I would start with, a, with an egg and fertilize it. Wouldn't you? Isn't that the way you'd do it? God said, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to create man just like he had started out that way, but here he is full grown. So now, what about the earth? What about trees? Did he start out with the, with the seed and planting the seed and the soil and so forth? No. He created trees fully grown. What about the, what about the half-life theory of, of, the, uh, of the igneous rocks and so forth? What about these, these theories? What about the, 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 U, the atomic U-235 theory and so forth, the um, radioactive 225 theory? Well, the, uh, I have a hard time with this because it doesn't make any sense, a lot of sense to me anyway. But what about all these theories? And they say, well, we can show that this, the half-life of the theory of, of, of this rock uh, means that it's 3.5 billion years old. Well, when God created the earth, how did he create it? Did he create it to start with like the Big Bang Theory? Nothing there at all. And all of a sudden exploded and everything came about? Or did he create it with age? Everything was already growing. He, he created full-grown trees. He created full-grown plants. He created full-grown animals. He created full-grown human beings. Okay. But I'm saying if I did it, how would I do it? I'd start out with an egg. What's the, what is the old saw which came first, the chicken or the egg? That's always been the the issue, isn't it? Well, we're hedging. We're saying, well, okay, I believe in God, but I'm not sure. I'm just not sure that God was smart enough or capable enough to do that in such a short period of time. It would take me longer. It would take you longer. It would take everybody longer than that to do it. But we're not God. What about the miracles in the Bible? We say, if I can't recreate a miracle, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of people who say they believe God, they believe the Lord, they believe the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe that Jesus performed miracles. They do not believe, for instance, that Moses and the Israelites walked across on, on the dry ground, and the waters of the Red Sea parted on both sides of them. don't believe that. Because we can't do it, therefore we're saying God couldn't do it. What we're saying is we don't have faith. We have no faith. We don't believe He could do it. What about the miracles? In Matthew chapter 11 verse 4, some of the, the uh, disciples of John came to Jesus and said, Are you the one that should come or do we look for somebody else? And Jesus said, Go show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead hear, and the the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever is not offended in me. Blessed is he that doesn't stumble over me. Now do you stumble over the miracles? I've talked to professors of religion in colleges that do not believe that Jesus performed miracles. You know why? Because they can't. They can't do it. Human beings can't. Well, by the way, that's what makes him God. That he could do it. Sure you can't do it. You can't heal cancer with a wand. You, you, can't, you can't take away heart, a heart attack. You can't raise the dead. Nobody can do that. But Jesus did. Well, you say, I can't, therefore He can't. Or He didn't. Isn't that foolish? We're talking about faith. Why would anybody even teach religion and teach the New Testament and teach anything about Jesus if they did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that He could do that? And how about this business of being raised from the dead? Jesus went into the grave died they stuck a spear in his side had to puncture his lungs and his heart out came blood they knew he was dead they certified that he was dead they put him in a tomb for three days and when they came early on Sunday morning he was standing up talking alive now friend I believe that I believe that you say well I've never seen that happen before. Oh, I see. Well, the reason you haven't seen that happen before is that Jesus is the Son of God. There's not another one like Him. It's not going to happen again. It will happen with you, by the way, if you believe. Okay. I believe that God is the Creator. I believe just as He did just as He said that He did. I believe He created the heavens and earth just like it's recorded in the Bible. I don't understand everything about it. I'm not God. You, it may be that when, if I get to heaven, I sure want to go. If I get there, I would sure like to see how he did it. Wouldn't you? I can't see it now. I can't demonstrate it now. And I, can't, I don't have any empirical evidence that says this is the way he did it. I don't have that, but I sure would like to, if I get to heaven, I sure would like to see how that was done. And now then I'm going to give you the second definition of faith or belief. The two words, I believe, believe and faith are the same word. But now then, when I say I believe, I believe in God. I believe on God. I believe in Jesus. I believe on Jesus. There's a difference. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a difference too. This is the second feature of belief. John the Apostle probably had more to say singly as an individual in the New Testament about believing. And John used the believe as the verb form and faith as the noun form. I can say I believe then I say I have faith. Believe is action and have faith is a noun which means it is passive. But John used the term believe or faith in probably nearly a hundred times. And only one time did he use it in the passive sense. Like you'd say, I have faith. That's in John 1 at verse 50. The rest of the time, it's in that active form. Believe. I believe. I believe in. I believe on. Okay. Okay, what's the difference? Well, in James chapter 2, verse 19 it says you believe that there's one God, you do well. That's that's great. The devil is also believe and tremble. So, I can believe in God and that's not going to save me. That's not going to make that's not going to change me in any way. Let's 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 have an illustration. Let's have a for instance. Southwest Airlines is giving away Trips to Disney World, or Disneyland, back in Orlando, Florida. Isn't that where it is? They're giving away trips. Free, air, free airfare, you just, you just come down and take your family and go to Disneyland. And it's all on us. So you gather your family up. You don't like to fly, really. You're a little uneasy about flying. Are you uneasy about flying? Do you ever feel like you can't really put your full weight down when you go off an airplane? <laughs> that maybe something's going to happen and you might, as a matter of fact, you may want to buy a little extra insurance. You ever feel that way? There are a lot of people that don't want to fly at all. They just don't trust the fact that you can fly. Well, let's say you're that kind of person. But you've got this free trip with your whole family. You're going to take them to Disneyland. All right. So you get there, you get to the gate, and you look out, and look at the airplane you're going to fly on. It's a Boeing 747 MAX 8. That's the one that had two two crashes. Three, seven, three, seven. Three, okay, three. 300 people, over 300 people lost their lives because these things crashed. And they say the fault is that there's something about the, the uh, computers okay and there it sits and that's the plane they're going to take you on and they say you know this is this is really a this is a this is we're, we're going to advertise this we're going to use this as advertisement and we're going to use it as promotional this plane has never been tried out since we fixed the computer but we want everybody on it to take this plane and it's a free ride and you get to go to Disney World or Disneyland free. But we've never we never flown the plane. We, we brought it over. We want everybody to know how safe it is. We fixed it. It won't crash. And you're thinking, you're thinking, you know, I know that's the 747, so I believe the airplane is there. That's the first definition of faith, isn't it? I believe it's there. And I believe that the Engineers at Boeing, the the computer engineers, have gone over this fine-tooth comb. I believe they're capable. But I really don't think I want to get on it. I don't think I want to go. Now, I, don't, I believe that these things are here, and I believe you're going to send me, but I'm not going. I do not believe in that airplane. I don't believe in it. I'm not going. Now, there's an overwhelming reason why our faith is so important. And it's because the earth that we live on, that we stand on right now, is disappearing under our feet. I don't want to alarm everybody. I think you've already heard it before. But you must know that this earth is dissipating. You've got to know that if you've been listening to any any of the newscasts and and, uh, reading anything about it. You have to believe that there has to be some way that you can escape the problems that are facing this world. Daniel had that same problem before him, in daniel chapter three, chapter six, Darius, who was the the uh, governor of the medo Persian empire, had issued an edict at the behest of some of his his uh, magicians and sorcerers and and that was if anybody prayed to their God other than him, that they would be thrown into the lion's den. Some of you kids remember the story? Daniel and the lion's den? So, Daniel was, was thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible says, and, and of course the, the lions were hungry, and the Bible says that when Darius came back, Daniel was still alive and the lions were still hungry. He was in the lion's den, but Darius made the statement, he said, because he believed in his God, not just believed his God, Daniel could have stood outside that lion's den and said, yeah, I probably if I got in there, it would be okay. But I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to do it. But he got in the lion's den, and he believed in God, and God protected him. There's another story in the Old Testament that, that helps us along this line too, and that's found in the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah and the whale? Big fish? Jonah was, was thrown into the water by his compadres because they thought he was the curse. And the fish swallowed him up and spit him out on the shore, and he went to the city of Nineveh. And he went for, for it was a three days journey. How far can you walk in a day? Did anybody know? 25 miles. That's about it. If you just walk straight through. It may may have been a 75 mile wide city. Or he may have been walking through it. I'm not sure. But anyway, he said in 40 days, God is going to destroy Nineveh. Now did the people of Nineveh believe it? It says they believed God. They believed Jonah. And you know what they did? They initiated a fast. They said, we're not going to eat or drink. We're going to throw off our party clothes. And we're going to put on old duds. And we're going to sit around the ashes. And we're going to grieve because we have been sinners. And they did that. And it said, God spared them because they believed. Now their belief acted, didn't it? They believed in God. It wasn't just the fact that they believed God. They believed in God. Thou Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Your hands. In Hebrews chapter one, at verse ten through twelve, they shall perish, but Thou shalt endure and, re- and remain. They shall wax old like a garment, and You'll put them off. This world is like an old body that had been covered with nice garments to start with, but the garments are getting old, waxing old. And the Bible says, they shall be changed, but you're the same. And he says, but to which of the angels said, end any time thou sit set at my right hand. So he's talking about Jesus. But what he's saying is that this world is ending. Now, if you don't believe that, and people haven't believed that for a long time, they say, well, everything's going on just like it always was. But you know, we have tapped our natural resources. We've almost got them all used up. The old fossil fuels are disappearing. We're digging down into the earth. We're taking all the natural minerals we can get out of the face of the earth and, and finding better and bigger ways to, to harvest them. We're cutting down the rainforest. We're destroying the vegetation. We have lost 322 species of animals over the last five centuries. And it's getting worse and worse. Our air is being fouled, our water is polluted. I just heard the other day that some of the salmon will not come back into the sound because of the pollution of the sound. And we're saying, well, we need to, we need to hurry up and make sure that everything lasts. It, neighbors, that's not going to last. We are sitting on top of a mud ball that is plunging into eternity, and it's being destroyed. It's being eaten up we're using it up and the Bible says that it's going to be God will eventually burn it up so why is it important that we have faith because there's somebody who can get us off of this thing and keep us alive somebody's going to reach down and say take my hand you don't have to go with the world you don't have to go this way. I'm concerned about my children. Sure I am. I'm concerned about the air that my kids are going to breathe, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. I'm concerned about that. But you know what I'm really concerned about is that this whole earth is deteriorating. It's being destroyed by the inhabitants, and it's not going to last. Not only that, but Hebrews chapter 9, and verse 27 says, Then it's appointed unto man wants to die. Someone says, well, what I'm going to do is, I'm just not going to ride it out to the end. I'm not going to ride it out. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to to die. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man wants to die after this, the judgment. So you're not going to get away, even if you get off. You're not going to get away. Because God is going to judge us. He's the only source of life for us, Jesus is. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay, so what can I do? I can believe in Jesus Christ. And He will save me. You say, Bill, what's He saving you from? He's saving me from disaster. He's getting me off. He's getting me out of this world. I, I don't have to be attached to this world. I don't have to cling to this world. I don't want to say, "Hey, what am I going to do if all the oxygen is used up? What am I going to do if the ozone is destroyed? What am I going to do if they just keep cutting down the rainforest? What am I going to do if the salmon don't come back? What am I going to do if the birds don't follow their patterns? What's going to They're not going to, friend. It's it's ending. It is ending. Maybe not in our lifetime, but it is ending. We're, we're doing the best we can to try to keep it from ending. We're saying, well, okay, we're going to drive around in electric cars. Well, where are you getting your electricity? Well, we're going to, we're going to generate it with coal. How long is the coal going to last? Well, maybe we'll, it won't be with coal. It'll be with the gasoline. Well, what about, where's the, where's the gasoline sources? It's oil. We're using everything up. Well, we'll burn wood. Sure we will. We'll clear-cut the forest. The problem is, this world is not lasting. It's not going to last. Face it. It's coming to an end. And it's coming to an end rapidly. The ice cap is melting. You say, well, we'll reverse that. Yeah, you sure we will. (laughs) What's happening is, this old mud ball is plunging through eternity and it's going to get hotter and hotter until finally, as a matter of fact, the Bible says... It's going to be burned up in First Peter chapter chapter three or Second Peter chapter three. It's going to be burned up, and I don't want to be on it when it does. I don't want to be anywhere around when it happens. Romans chapter one verse seventeen says, "The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to Jew first and also to Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith unto faith." God says, Bill, I can get you off of this thing. I can save you. I can make sure that, that you will not be destroyed along with the planet, along with the unbelievers, the ungodly. I'm going to, I'm going to take you home with me. I'll take home with me. What is my creed? If you say, well, you know what a creed is? A creed is some, the first creed that came up, actually the first the first uh, formal creed that came up was the Apostles' Creed in about the 4th century. And sometimes you hear people standing up in churches and reciting the Apostles' Creed. Here's what we believe. You know what I believe? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He rose from the dead, and He can save me. That's exactly what I believe. That's my creed. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Paul said, "Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the creed. I believe that. I believe Jesus can and will save me. I don't just believe that Jesus lived. I believe that. I don't just believe that He performed miracles. I believe that too. I don't believe just that that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that strongly. But I believe that Jesus Christ can save me. And He can save you. And He can save your children. And He can save your friend. You say, how can I tell them about that? My answer is, if you can't tell them, you bring them here, I'll tell them. We're going to tell people that Jesus saves. And He can save you, friend. If you have not been saved, it's not faith only. You can't just stab them up and say, hey, yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, therefore I'm saved. No. You have to believe in Jesus and if you believe in Jesus, that means you're going to step out of this world and get into His. Isn't that true? If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you read about all the individuals, the heroes heroes heroines of faith. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his country. Samson slew the Philistines. And just on and on, each one did something because they believed in God. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Word of God. I believe I can be saved. If you've never been saved, you know the question was asked one time, what must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. The Philippian jailer said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he baptized him that day, that, that very hour of the day, that very hour of the night, actually he was baptized. He had to believe that Jesus was the Christ. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He had, to, he had to rise to walk in of life and stay out of this world and get into God's world. Maybe you need to start that today. If you do, why don't you make your way forward and let's get started together. Shall we stand and sing?